0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Let me talk to you about something for a moment. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? If so, that would not be unusual. I mean, we're all dealing with something, right? BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you up with your own licensed professional therapist and can help you out. In fact, you can start communicating in under 24 hours. Now, this is not a crisis line. This is not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. And there's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's counselor network, which may not be locally available in many areas. And it's a service which is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime you want and send a message to your counselor. And you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as you do with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it very easy and free to change counselors if you need to do that. And it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Go to betterhelp.com rome That's better H-E-L-P, BetterHelp, and join the over half a million people that are taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. And right now, if you're listening to this, you can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com rome
0: Jim, number one, sure. I cannot stand Divas. Can't stand them. I don't want to play with them. I don't want anything to do with them. This game is too hard without me having to babysit and force plays to a guy just to keep him happy. You know, if he cares about the football team, he'll shut up.
1: What's cracking? Welcome to another huge episode of the Jim Rohn Podcast, Ep 90 of the pod to be exact. And this one's a big one because it is one of my childhood heroes. Now, I had three athletic heroes as a kid Los Angeles Lakers legend, Gail Goodrich, LA Dodgers phenom, Ron Say, and this guy, Pittsburgh Steelers icon, Terry Bradshaw. The first QB to win four Super Bowls. The MVP of Super Bowls 13 and 14. He was a 1989 inductee into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He also starred alongside Burt Reynolds in the Cannonball Run and Hooper. He was the most frequent guest in the history of the Tonight Show and... This upcoming season will be his 26th as a co-host on Fox NFL Sunday. And next week, he'll be starring in his own one-man show at the Luxor in Las Vegas from August 1st through the 4th. Tickets are on sale as we speak. Our guest this week is the one and only Terry Bradshaw. He kicks off episode 90 right now. Terry, I love Las Vegas. I love the idea of you starring in your own stage show. So we're going to hit that in just a bit. But I do want to get caught up with you because it's been a minute or so. I want to talk some football. Terry, let me me start right here. If you play in the league like you did or if you cover the league like you do now, you understand the grind is coming. And once you're in it, you're locked in for the next six months. Knowing that, were you able to get away this summer before it all starts up once again? Bring me up to date.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I've been, you know, I'm a rancher. So, and you're, you're in the thoroughbreds and I had thoroughbreds for eight years. So I, I kind of am in the animal business, but I raise Angus cattle and quarter horses. I stand stallions. I travel around the country doing corporate work, commercials. I traveled to Europe with my wife for the first time to Italy this year. So I, as busy as I am, I, I, you have to take that have to take that time plus she travels with me and all the kids are gone so it's just you know the two of us so yeah football season's coming up and and I've got as soon as the show's over Jim uh, on the 4th I leave and uh, we have a daughter and grandkids in Hawaii so we'll go over there for two weeks and and I won't see them again until Christmas and so we'll spend two weeks with them and then by then, I'm dialed in. I'm dialed in on football every day, though, but I really get dialed in once I get back from there.
1: No, I get that. You know, Terry, you mentioned that you went to Italy. You went to Europe for the first time with your wife. Right. We're, ac- we're actually going next week. I've got to know, where did you go in Italy?
0: Okay. started off in Venice um, and uh, went from Venice to Florence, Florence to Capri, then to Sorrento, uh, stopped off uh, at uh, Pompeii, where is that, uh, Naples, yeah, Naples, then took the train all the way down and spent uh, five days in Rome, which we love. You know, it's funny, I, most incredible trip. Uh, I wasn't real crazy about Venice because it's water and it's extremely hot and humid. I would suggest you call ahead and have wherever you're staying, make sure they have a fan put in your room. Or have them buy one because the rooms can be a little small and it can be extremely hot and a little uncomfortable sleeping. But once you get out and start touring and seeing everything, the history, it's just mind-boggling.
1: Terry, you nailed that. You answered two of my questions with that answer. I was going to say, number one, was it the best trip ever? And number two, I have to know this. We talk about this all the time. Venice or Florence? And I think you answered the question. Venice or Florence? Florence. Yes, right? A hundred percent. Yeah, me too. Yeah. That's All day long. Question.
0: All day long. I Venice Venice, I'm glad I went. I saw what I needed to see and I couldn't wait to get out of there. <laughs> I mean, it was just man, it's just humid right now. You gotta it's humid. I took like eight, ten T shirts and shorts and I was when we would get back to the hotel I'm having to change T shirt. It was just so humid and but Venice I just I, I just and I just could not enjoy it. It was too miserable. Preach. Florence, Florence was fabulous. Rome, fabulous. Capri, incredible. Florento incredible.
1: Yeah, for sure. No, I love that. That's, that's exactly where I come out. Florence is one of my favorite places ever. Capri, which yeah. is, we're going to Capri in about a week and a half. But I'm, I agree uh. with you. Venice is, look, nothing against Venice, except that it's no. over-hyped, overhyped, overrated, and way too humid. It's
0: it, way too humid, and It
1: stinks. It does. I know it does. It does. It, it
0: stinks. I'm just telling you, man. It, it's nothing but water, and you, it's just garbage. It just stinks. I just. I told my wife. I said, God, I'd be glad we get out of here. I'm yeah. sorry, but that's you know. But I've seen the boats paddling through the you know the, the canals, and I'm like, oh man, that's. I'm looking wait to see that. But here's the thing about Venice, and you know this: the little bitty paddle boats, whatever they call those things, they have. The, they take president over everything. The big motorboats, nothing goes in. These little guys are paddling these things. They get first choice. And we just sat out there for an hour trying to get into <laughs> to our hotel to get off. Just sitting there watching these guys paddle these boats.
1: I've lived now, that life. Those water taxis, I've lived that life. They run that place. Oh, water taxis, yeah. I, I mean, and then by the way,
0: after sitting there waiting on them for an hour, we canceled our water taxi thing. I said, the
1: heck with this. <laughs> they need some water Ubers or some water lifts, water I think. Ubers. Terry, you and I can do Italy for another hour, but I don't have that kind of time with you, so I appreciate your thoughts. Let's talk some football now. Listen, you go back. Right. You, you were drafted in 1970 by the Steelers, but things happened relatively quickly. You were in the middle of one of the league's most famous plays ever, the Immaculate Reception in 72, right. where Franco Harris took that deflection off his shoe tops on a last-second desperation play to beat the Raiders. What did you say in the huddle, and what do you remember about that famous play?
0: The play uh, was... Uh, very simple. Full right split. Tight end to the right. Flanker split backs. Sixty six, which is uh, tight end stays in, fullback stays in. So it's basically similar to maximum protection. Circle post. Circle meaning halfback goes down, bends over the middle, reads the linebacker. If he goes by the linebacker, reads the safety, and then if he if he's uh, past him, then I hit him. And if the safety comes up, then I go to the post. And obviously. The play and, and then the huddle. I can't remember what I said. You know, I don't think I said a word. I very seldom said anything in the huddle. Very seldom, Jim, was I ever vocal. Because you know, I, I had to call the plays. I didn't have time to pep talks and screaming and holler. That just wasn't my style. But I just, I just know that when I dropped back, automatically had this Franco missile block, which is you know kind of that wasn't too surprising. And so I'm having to scramble to the right and and the next day I pick my eyes up and I see a black jersey across the middle and I gunned it and down I went. I heard the roar of the crowd. And I got to tell you, I'm laying under a pile of Raiders and I'm going, you son of a gun. You did it. You put it right on the money. I mean, the roar, you knew it was a touchdown. I was so proud of myself. And I got up feeling so good and I'm running the next thing you know, all the chaos is taking place. And I'm asking, well, what happened here? And I said, well, the ball went here, and Tatum came up. He hit Frenchie. The ball bounced back. franco got it. Now that he's in the end zone, did he trap it? Did he touch it last? And I went from like, yay me, to, oh, man, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> so it kind of ruined it for me. But it ended up being an incredible play that I think, I think now, Jim, it, it still is one of the top five plays uh, in in the history of the NFL. I'm not quite sure on that. but
1: Oh, I, I don't think there's any doubt, Terry. I don't think there's any doubt. Frenchie was Frenchie Fuqua, and Tatum came in right. and collided with him, and then there's Frankel, as I mentioned, right off the shoe tops. Terry, you mentioned Tatum. like The the, the, ra- the rivalry with the Raiders back in the day, when you think about that Raider defense, they had so many characters and so many playmakers, and they were so aggressive. Who concerns you the most on the Raider D back in the day, and what was that rivalry like?
0: Well, it was primarily their corners. Um because they were, you know, back then it was uh, still bump and run, and you could uh, jam and ride. And so there, it was primarily their corners. You had to make sure that y- you were able to read uh, zone, which they did very little of. wasn't worried so much about the pass rush or stuff like that. It was mainly, mainly their corners and and, and and more likely their stations because formations would dictate a lot of coverages, and so you knew that goal. Going in, but then you had to make sure your guys could get separation, and that was the hard thing. He's getting getting Lynn Swan and Sta- not Stallworth wasn't even there. Matter of fact, was Lynn even there? No, Lynn wasn't even with. I, matter of fact, I only know who our receivers were. Now you bring it up, or I brought it up. So <laughs> whatever. Hey, bad idea, huh? But anyway, <laughs> it was their, it was their corners. Boy, they were good. They were physical and, you too. know, Hey, Jim, they were just like the Steelers. The the uh, Raiders. Uh, in the seventies were just like us, just badass bad to the bone defense. Just bad man. And their their offense was more explosive because well actually Kenny wasn't even a starter, I don't believe, was he? I can go back that far. Right. I don't think I think Kenny came into that game and then he ran forty three yards for the go ahead touchdown, hmm. which set up the immaculate reception. So a totally different Raider team in the nineteen seventy two uh, and the Steeler team that was pretty much like them putting their pieces
1: together. Right. you know, Terry, you mentioned that your defense was like their defense. I remember as a kid growing up and watching that Steeler defense and how physical and aggressive it was. Donnie Shell would just put guys to sleep. Yeah. Mel Blunt was so aggressive. And the linebackers, obviously the linebackers, Ham and Lambert and Russell, how much easier did it make your job knowing you had a defense like that?
0: Well, you know, it made it Easy. It made it easier for me to be aggressive by throwing the football deep. Now it wasn't that I, I would go into a game going, well, if I throw a couple of picks today, no big deal. You know, never. You never want to do that. But if I did throw one, I, you know, I had a defense to, to bail me out. And and it because listen, Jim, go look at my stats. They're not so. They're not very impressive. And you would understand that. They had to bail us out quite a bit, quite a bit, but it did make it. It did make a difference. You could be, you could be more aggressive uh, offensively throwing the football because of such a great defense that we had.
1: Let's hear you had one stat you want to mention numbers you want to talk about stats you had well you had a number of great stats but you had an amazing stat you had four rings first quarterback ever to four rings and you did it in a six-year period but what about that first one given what Art Rooney meant right. to the league meant to the city how much did it mean to you to help him win his first world championship well
0: I was I was close to Mr. Rooney And I recall, Jim, if we go back, I don't know how old you were in 1975, but uh, I remember that after the game, after we had won that game, I peeked around the corner and the TV crew uh, was presenting him the trophy. And there's two or three people, that was it, um, presenting the trophy. And we were watching it and I – and I thought to myself, this is just the greatest moment ever. Number one, I'm the quarterback of a team that won a Super Bowl. Nobody can take that from me. Number two, and uh, more importantly than than me, was that Mr. Rooney, after all of these years of futility, had been able to hold up the uh, Lombardi Trophy as the world champion. So that was that. That was very proud. When people ask me today, what's the most the most special? Of all those Super Bowls, and one you really enjoy the most, I always say Super Bowl Nine because it was the first one, and we gave him the trophy for the first time. A... And don't forget, Jim. He during the reception. Remember, he left. He left the stadium. Right. He didn't see. He didn't see it. Wow. He went down to the locker room to congratulate us on a great season. He didn't even see it.
1: That's amazing. that, that yeah. really is amazing. But it it sounds like him. He wanted to be sure that he was there when you guys came in. To congratulate you on that great season. So, Terry, one more thought about the days back then. Like, when you came up, you grew up in Shreveport and you went to Louisiana Tech. And I kind of laugh at this, but I've heard you say I was a mama's boy. But, man, it was all love. It was all love. You were a great athlete, a great player. And then you played for Chuck Knoll, who was tough, man. He was really tough. What was it like all of a sudden not to hear how great you are every single day and every single practice, but to have a guy really getting into you and coaching you hard?
0: i didn't understand it first of all, if I look back uh, when I was twenty one years old, you know I chuck I was always showered with love, I never knew a harsh word i didn't I never knew bad job i never knew I always heard you can do it you're the best and it and and I fed off of the love i didn't feed off of you're terrible. You're no good. You're stupid. You're dumb. You know, why don't you study like this, study like that? I didn't, I didn't ever have to deal with that stuff. And that was the first time I'd ever had negative things said about me, not to mention the fact that the fans were on me and I understood that too, but I wasn't mentally, I wasn't mentally socially mature enough to really understand it. And to not let it affect me, I just didn't understand it at all. And it took me a, a few years of in the lineup, out of the lineup, being booed, being tagged, dumb, um, jerked around on the sideline, embarrassed in the in the in the meeting rooms, and to get to a point, and I where I said to myself, you know what, enough of this. You know what, enough of this. this this isn't going to happen to me anymore. I, I'm not going to let this guy run my career. And when I got kind of nasty and got mentally tough, and maybe that was his—that po- was what he was trying to do, then I became a quarterback. But it was not easy, and I didn't like it. And to this day, I have 11 employees, and I hug them. Every day when I see them, I hug them. And I love on them, and, every, and everybody around my ranch loves, and we have a great time. We don't have any stress around my ranch. We get people in it that are stressful, we get rid of them. I don't, I don't put up with that because I didn't like it.
1: Mm, like, don't bring that around here. I understand it. So, no, no, not
0: at all. I have a miserable day, man. makes no sense to me. Life short.
1: There aren't too many days, it. and you never know when your last one's coming. I, I get it. No. I really do. Yeah. So, Terry, when you look at the Steelers right now, like Big Ben right. is now 37. He's not going to have Antonio right. Brown. He's not going to have Le'Veon Bell. How do you think he's going to do without those weapons?
0: Well, he's, listen, uh, Juju – the guy, what, Juju Schuster-Smith? Smith-Schuster, sure. Is. Yeah. Okay. They still have him, and he's excellent. They also lost their tight end. Don't forget. he's gone too. I just – it is going to, to my way of thinking, it can't be anywhere nearly as good uh, without Brown. Um, I think what you have, excuse that, that's, I think when you, when you lose players like that, uh, your offense has to struggle. Come on, Jim, you have to struggle. You have to hopefully have drafted or someone's coming in that is going to rise to the occasion and you're going to discover a talent uh that you kind of thought may have been there. We don't see it. You and I don't see it cuz we're not at practice. We're not in meetings. We don't know we don't know what they're thinking. But just common sense tells you there can't be they obviously can't be as good offensively as they have been in the past. Just can't be. You just don't lose that kind of talent and just carry on, you know, like uh, well, we we'll just fill in the fill in the spaces and just keep on plugging away. You've got a quarterback that's great, but he's got to have people that can run and Get separation and make great catches. And I don't, I don't know where that, I don't know where the, I don't know who those people are or where they are.
1: Yeah, Terry, I don't know how you make the argument that you're better without yeah. Antonio Brown. I mean, he may have had some, some of those so called diva qualities and might not have been the easiest guy, but that's a lot of production that you're losing. What do you make of the way he forced his way out of Pittsburgh? Uh-huh. What was your reaction to that?
0: I am, you know what? I am just, well, let me say two things, Jim. Number one, sure. I cannot stand divas can't stand them. I don't want to play with them. I don't want anything to do with them. This game is too hard without me having to babysit and force plays to a guy just to keep him happy. You know, if he cares about the football team, he'll shut up. He will keep his mouth shut and play the game. Okay. That's my thinking. I'm 70. I'm not not 30 or 31. I'm 70. And that's the kind of player I want to play with. I don't want to play with a diva. Now, today's game is not like it was in the 70s. Players are not like they were in the 70s. Players now have money. With money comes a certain amount of what they think is power. And uh, all of a sudden it's about their brand. And all of a sudden it's about their numbers. It's not about winning. It's never about winning. You think it's about winning, you are lost your mind. It's about, where's my money? Where's my money? Where's my money? And then when then things aren't going right in the game, they're throwing garbage cans on the sideline. They're pointing fingers, screaming and hollering. Now, I know Michael Urban, and I love him. And I would have had a hard time. But I know I would have known Michael so well, I would have been able to, to understand Michael. I don't know that I could understand Brown and, the, and Beckham Jr. I just I don't understand this, this behavior. Now, let me ask you this. What's going to happen now when Beckham is not having the kind of year that he wants? Is he going to pitch a fit? Is he going to go off? Is he going to turn on the players in the locker room? Is he going to be a great guy? Is he going to be a team guy? Is Brown going to be a team guy? Is he going to be someone that everybody loves? Uh, is, is, is everything going to be hunky-dory? He's got his money. He's moved out of town and everything is fine now. Is that the way it's going to be? We're going to have to find out and see, but I I got a feeling, Jim, that's not how it's going to be. When they're not getting their numbers, then all of a sudden they're going to become vocal again. And then you just mess up a team. Teams win with character. They do not win with divas. They win with character.
1: Summer's heat can be draining on your vehicle's battery. Rising temps can cause battery fluids to evaporate. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts right now. Have your battery tested free of charge. If your battery does need to be replaced, the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts will help you find the exact superstar battery that fits your car or your truck at a guaranteed low price. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. You know, Terry, that interesting point that you make about Odell Beckham Jr., like, Maybe you can answer your own question. How do you think that he's going to do in Cleveland? And then how do you think the Browns do with the bullseye on their back now and all the expectations and some pretty strong personalities? How do you think that plays out for the Browns this year?
0: Doesn't it look great on paper? And everybody has fallen in love with the Browns. They've got, what, three primetime games? Uh, Everybody's talking about them. I think what they have there is they have a strong enough personality in Baker Mayfield at a quarterback, all right? I see that. I see that now. And I think he'll be able to handle it. I don't think it'll bother him at all. He's got a little bit of Dan Marino and he's got some bulldog in him. And I don't think he's going to be worried about Jarvis Landry. He's not going to be worried about Beckham Jr. And I think he'll be someone to put him in place. See, if Eli would have been someone that got in his face and put him in his place, then he would have rallied the city around him and he may have been forced to handle himself differently. He wasn't like that at LSU. Do you see him at LSU ever pitch a fit and go crazy? No, I never saw that. And I watch a lot of their games, so we'll, it, it remains to be seen. But I think Baker May, Mayfield, even as a second-year quarterback and his personality, he's the A-type cor- uh, personality. I think he can handle it. I don't think it'll phase him one bit, and I think he'll he'll put it in. He'll put them in their place. I, listen. I say it again, Jim. You can you can surround yourself. We're seeing that NBA, all the super teams now. Everybody's all these guys are getting together. Hey, let's play here. Let's mean you play there, and let's play here, and let's you know let's see let's see how many championships we can win together. And we've seen that to some extent work. But I don't think necessarily in football we have 11 players on each side where where you can have 11 players if they're all talented and they're all uh, confident, and they're all caring about one another. Yeah, you can win with that for sure. They can just be good, and you can win. And then you can have a star come out of that or two, and everybody in that team's going to go, "Wow, man! Then we're so happy for you. You're, you've had a great year. There's a lot of love there. But then when you get people that come in there and they scream and holler and they want their numbers and they want, they got their money, then you automatically know you don't. That's not the right chemistry to win, to win Super Bowl. And that's what this is all about. Just not the right chemistry. I, I personally could not handle those kind of players. I would have been able to handle Michael Irvin because I know him so well. But these other guys, I just don't think I can do it. I just really don't.
1: You know, I think to that point, Terry, I, I understand what you're saying. I they, You play it on the field, not on paper. The Browns look amazing right. on paper. I think that they've got the coach and the quarterback to handle it. But your point about Michael Irvin, you know, he might have been a really vocal guy and of, you know, he was not a diva, though. Michael Irvin no. was a hardcore pro with an amazing right. work ethic who led from the front. There was really no diva in Michael Irvin, was there?
0: I don't. You he know, wanted what? the I ball. Think that's why I, I think that's why I liked him, Jim. Is that? And I think a lot of my affection for him came from Troy Aikman because Troy would tell me so much about him because you see him go crazy on the sidelines. But Michael was so much about winning. He so much about winning. And if he thought that he had a, an edge and that meant that would be the difference in winning, then he wanted to be involved. And I, that helped soften some of his sideline antics. So I, I do agree with that. And that's, I think that's the reason why I like him so much.
1: Now, Terry, depending on your point of view, it's really hard to compare quarterbacks across generations, especially as the game has changed. Now you've got your oh, four yeah, rings, you're right. so you're qualified. You're as qualified as anybody to say. So let me just ask you then: Who is the goat? If you got to win that one game and your life is dependent upon it, dependent upon it, who do you want wow. back there slinging it? Who is the best to ever get under center? Oh
0: man! Well, let I me mean, just say first of all, I'm going an to answer a question, but it's not one I want to answer. Uh, I just don't believe there is such a thing as greatest of all time. Goat. Uh, there's too too many decades have separate, and so much time has gone by. We forget about slinging Sammy Baugh and and uh, all these quarterbacks back in the fifties. I mean, there's been some great ones, man, but we forget about them because, well, the, if we've got seven seven days a week now, twenty four seven. We've got you know football on how many channels and radios and oh my god but if i in, in in this day and time if i've got to have one guy one guy to lead me to victory all right that i totally believe in i'm gonna go with joe montana
1: awesome. and, I, and, and here's uh,
0: why i say that here's why i say it
1: i'm not surprised but i can't wait to hear why the
0: reason is he's more athletic than Tom. Tom's got to have everything around him. He's got to have a pocket to step up into, whereas Joe doesn't. Joe can bail himself out, and he is just so cool. Both of these guys are cool. I, I would not want Tom Brady. The I'm the original TV. By the way, don't ever forget that, Jim Rome. No, I am no the original TV. TV. Always say TV. that when you talk about me. All right,
1: you Number got the TV right You got it. I see okay. it working. <laughs> I got you, TB. Okay, thank you,
0: buddy. <laughs> but but I, I just believe that give, give each of these guys a neutral team. In other words, don't give Tom the Patriots, don't give Montana the 49ers, so let's give them the Lions. All right? And then which one of these quarterbacks do you think is going to play the best and win for you? And I think it's Joe. I just think Joe's more athletic and he can, he can make plays when, where Tom can't. Tom can't
1: improvise, Joe can. Um, personally, I'm a Montana guy myself because I came okay. up through that era as well. So that's when I say I'm not surprised, I'm not. And I, I always saw how guys who played the game reacted when Joe came around. He just was a really yeah. different guy, which is not to say that Tom Brady's not amazing. Now, Terry, yeah. when you talk about cool, right, then you've got yeah. Joe Namath. He's a different breed of goat. When you saw yeah. Joe rocking that mink coat and the white <laughs> cleats on the sideline, what did you think?
0: Well, first of all, let me just say who was my who was my man? It was Joe Namath. I saw him. I played against him in Seattle in a preseason game and I played really good. And uh he was over there and he had security around in Jim, the game's over and then you know, he just security and he's going off the field. And I went Oh, man. And I ran through security, and I said, hey, I'm Terry Bradshaw. I'm Terry Bradshaw. I want to say hi to Joe. I'm Terry Bradshaw. They're pushing me away. And Joe heard me, and he, he stopped him, and he turned around and hugged me and shook my hand. And I'm like, oh, man, this is this is just so good. Okay, now let's, let's fast forward a year. I'm down in Tampa for a preseason game. Nobody makes white shoes. Got it? There's nobody wearing white shoes but Joe. So I'm down there. And I'm walking the streets of Tampa. I uh, got a game that night, and I'm just killing time. And I walk by a sporting goods store, and guess what's in that window? You ready? White cleats. You, there you go, baby. White cleats. There it is. PB, the original number one PB white cleats. I
1: went, oh my god. Woo-hoo-hoo! Yeah, but but and but Terry, in, did they did they have your size? Did they have your well, size? That, that's
0: <laughs> that's the point. They didn't. <laughs>
1: What did you do? You
0: hey, wait a minute, Jim. You don't think I'm going to let that stop me, do you?
1: <laughs> no, man. You saw your white cleats. You had to have them. I got, I'm getting them.
0: No, I'm getting them. I wear a 12. They had a 10 and a half.
1: <laughs>
0: I said, perfect. <laughs> I bought those 10 half, and I looked at them, and I was praying over them, hoping they'd just get to 11 before game time. So I'm in there in the locker room, and I'm trying to get the. So I can't wear two pairs of socks. You know, so I take one pair of socks off, and I got my white and black leggings, and I'm said, "Oh boy!" And I'm going in there. And, Tony Priest, Tony, you got a spoon, man? I got a <laughs> teaspoon. I got this. Oh, wow. And everybody's looking at me like, "Where'd you get this cleat TV?" And I'm like, man, I got these cleats. But, hey, it will. I got them on. I got them, my toes curled up. I went out to warm up. My feet were killing me. I had blisters on top of my toes. I'm like, man, do I do I look good? And I wore those suckers for the first half. That's all I played that night. And all I could think about, you know, and I played pretty good, all I could think about, I cannot wait to get back to Pittsburgh and see this game take. Oh, oh, oh baby, <laughs> am I going to look good or what? But I had have, I have like eight blisters on
1: the top. Yeah, but Terry, who cares? You look great. So when you got back and you saw the tape, you saw the film, how did you look in those oh, white cleats? Oh, hey, I'm
0: going to tell you what. I look quick. I mean, I look quick, Jim. I mean, I look so good, and the guys are all going, "Whoa, yeah!" Everybody's hollering, carrying on. Yeah, everybody wanted some of those white shoes. I ended up having to give them away to somebody on the team. I don't know who ended up wearing them because I couldn't wear them, but. Yeah, that's pretty
1: cool. Man, that is cool. That speaks to Joe. That's a good story. I like that story. That's a great story. That speaks to how cool (laughs) Joe was. You know, Terry, I got to own this. I told you this a long time ago, but I want to own it. Like, you're always nervous when you meet your childhood hero, and you were my guy now. You asked the question, how old was I in 75? I was 11. So for my 16th birthday, I wanted a painting of you, which I saw in the mall. I didn't ask for a car. I didn't ask for a (laughs) waterbed. I saw a Terry Bradshaw painting, and it was not cheap either so I got that painting and I finally got yeah. to meet you for the first time I co-hosted the fx sports show with Kevin Frazier and they had us sharing the dressing rooms with you guys on the big fox show right. We'd finish up the NFL show we would come in do our show and other than somebody telling me that I went into your room a few minutes too early you were awesome now I was wide-eyed because you were my guy <laughs> but the experience was great so I always appreciated that because you always remember what it's like when you meet your idol when you meet your hero yeah. and you want to go well
0: yeah. You don't want it to be bad. i make a, you know, I, it would kill me. It would kill me, Jim. If I were rude to a kid or a parent, it would just destroy my, I, I make a, I make a point of being nice to everybody. It's just so important. You know, these kids look up to you and, and I like it. I, I mean, for a kid to like you, I'm 70 now and for a kid to come up to me, well, they don't necessarily do it now for football. They do it for television, but, their dads will say, hey, man, he was really good back when he played in the you know, 70s or whatever. So
1: I'm glad I was nice to you, man. No, that was a great experience. Now, Terry, you are hosting the Terry Bradshaw Show at the Luxor Hotel and Casino. It's right. on the Vegas Strip. I've got to right. know, what is the show and how did this come to be?
0: Okay, four years ago, I started the show, opened up at the Mirage. And the show was uh, Terry Bradshaw. America's Favorite Dumb Blonde, A Life in Four Quarters, <laughs> and it was a 90-minute show, and uh, it's, a, it's a show that's written to song about my life, and uh, the opening deal was I'm doing the preaching, talking about humble beginnings, and then I'd sing a song that was written by uh, a composer in um, uh, New York, Broadway, and he wrote the song, Humble Beginners. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm embarrassing myself. But I, I can't remember, call his name. Anyway, so he wrote that song. And then I'd talk about the next phase of my life, getting in, falling in love with football. And I'd tell these stories, and there's some funny stuff. And I'd sing another song. And then I'd tell another story about my wives, and I'd sing another song. And, and so it's a story song, story song about my life. And it was so much fun. We toured with it um, for a year. And then my uh, son-in-law got killed and my daughter was in the show. So we shut the show down. And so three years later, we're in our fourth year now. I said, man, I really want to get the show back. And so Anita Mann, who produces the show, matter of fact, she produced Elvis Presley's Vegas show, Michael Jackson. I mean, she's Anita Mann dancer. She's phenomenal. She produces it. She choreographs it. I've got two great singers. around, fabulous band. And the opening song is "Boots Scooting Boogie," <laughs> and uh, yeah, and I, you ready for this, Romy? You ready me. for this? Hit this, me! It's this TV, you, man, you, hit you're me! A hero right here, I I dress like Freddie Mercury.
1: Oh yeah, got, yeah. Look good, feel good with
0: the stripes. Oh yeah. How'd that I got feel? The oh, hey, I'm telling you right now, I'm kind of salivating a little bit here, <laughs> but I'm a little heavy. You know, I'm, I'm about thirty pounds heavy. I'm kind of like Elvis at the end of his career right
1: now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm Minus the it. drugs and pills. I 12, but I've got
0: a long way to go. So I can't do a lot of dancing because I just don't have the strength part. But I'm looking good, buddy. And the jackets, I got a white one, a yellow one, a red one, a gold one, a purple one. Oh, hey. And I got the pants to match with stripes down the sides, cowboy boots, suspenders. I'm telling you, man, it's, it's rocking. Minus the rock,
1: <laughs> it, it's Vegas. It's the Strip. You got to show up a certain way. Now, Terry, you're That's used. Right. You are uh, used to the big time, stage. Baby. Showtime. You are yeah. used to the big stage. You always thrived on a big stage, but that was an athletic stage. What's it like to yeah. get on that stage, a Vegas That's stage? Scary. What's that feel like?
0: Yeah. You ever done it? You ever got? Well, you ever got a song in front of you know, six hundred people, twenty five hundred? I mean, it's scary. Uh, no. It, I had dinner last night. I'm going to name drop here. One of my dear, dear friends is Henry Winkler. And oh, so we went him. out last night for dinner. And we're talking about doing Broadway. We're talking about doing a show together and so on and so forth. And I said, Henry, I've done these songs now over and over and over and over. And I said, I'm coming over here tonight. I'm trying to get the, the opening lines to "Boot Scoot, and Boogie. And I said, I couldn't think of it. And I started panicking and I said, do you ever get like that? He said, absolutely, absolutely. He said, it's normal. He said, just take a deep breath and go out there and have some fun with it and it'll all come to you. So it's scary, it's scary in that way because you gotta sing songs you've never sung before, live anyway, entertain people and set up the next part, sing another song you don't know, and it's uh, and you hope the people are having fun. You hope you're entertaining them. I mean, that's why I'm doing this. is cuz I'm going to entertain them. So it's it's scary. I'm I'm not going to lie to you. It's scary. It is flat-ass scary.
1: That sounds flat-ass scary. Henry Winkler. <laughs> but Terry, Henry <laughs> Winkler, <is> <laughs> you know, you know since he's a good friend of yours, he he literally is like the best guy in this town. He's the best guy in any town. Henry Winkler is something else. Now, speaking of the yeah. biz, you your first two movies were iconic, and you worked alongside another legend, Burt Reynolds, in Hooper right. and Cannonball Run. Now, Terry, right. because I said you were my guy, I thought you were yeah. incredible in Hooper. Man, I loved Hooper. What was it like, yeah. though, to hang out and work with Burt, who may have been the biggest thing in the world at that time, when he was in his prime? Oh,
0: Burt took me under his wing and just treated me like a brother. I mean, he spoiled me rotten doing that movie. We had so much fun, and he let me ad-lib in Hooper. All that stuff at the table was just ad-libs. And uh, so much fun. And then, the, and then you know, he let me do my own stunt. Actually, in the fight, I dived through the window, and I overshoot the garbage bags that have all the foam in them, and I land on my right elbow and shattered all the bursa in my right elbow and had to have it operate. And this was right before training camp.
1: Oh, I didn't know yeah. that.
0: Yeah, but he was, man, he was fabulous. Golly. And, I, and he would take me. He would take me out to dinner. He would take me to Dinah Shore's place. He would, well he took me to Dinah Shore's place. He was dating Sally Field at the time. Sally Field would go over to her place. We were we, we did everything together. We had so much fun. Then came Cannonball Run. Cannonball Run was even better because now I had Sammy Davis Jr. I had um not Dean Martin, uh Roger Moore, a uh, I had Roger Moore, uh who loved and I taught him how to play Boo ray. So we played blu Ray. Mel Tillis was uh, sitting on a, ca- a case of, of uh, Stroh's beer. Every day, a case of Stroh's beer. We would sit on the dill uh, and drink Stroh's beer. I mean, Sammy Davis Jr. Oh, um, Bruce Lee. He's in the movie. Um, and then the guy, oh, so many stars in this movie, man. It was just crazy. But I, I had so much fun because we played, you know, we sat there and played cards. We played cards at the, at the at the bar and gamble and oh,
1: I just had a blast, man. Terry, Terry, before you go, Bruce Lee is like one of the most iconic guys ever. Did you get any yeah. quality time with him? What was that yeah. like?
0: Uh, I don't know. I, I, I didn't. I didn't get around him. I just. I just met him. That's all.
1: It that sounds say, like Bruce I, Lee.
0: Listen, you got to understand. I'm what twenty six. I mean, I'm not. I'm not Hollywood savvy. I'm. <laughs> I'm more comfortable around stars now. I was I was in too much awe for Sammy Davis Jr. and and Roger Moore to treat me like one of them was mind-boggling. We I mean we just had a blast. Uh, Lee was he was you know was that wasn't I just hey how you doing good to me and that was it. That's all I had with him. No, I get it. But that's hey, enough, right? That's that, enough. That's
1: more than enough to even yeah, have that. Now, start. all these guys that you were in odd by, you are now one of them because you have a show on the strip. So for the people listening right now, how do they get tickets and when is the show going to run?
0: Okay. All you got to do is call the Lexor and uh, they've got tickets um, available. I don't think we're sold out for all four shows. The show starts uh August first Thursday. I'm there first, second, third and fourth. And uh so four straight days next week. And uh get a chance, you know, ride one of your horses over, man. What, come to the show. I'll get you in free.
1: I'll take that. Free as me. Yeah. Free as me. And it's about time you and I got caught up in person. Terry I could do know. this. Let's do it. i, I have to hold it before you hang up. Yeah how are your horses doing? You know, I don't have as many as I used to, and it's a tough, tough game. You know, when it's good, yeah, it's it great, and when it's not, it's tough. It is but tough. But you
0: had two great years,
1: buddy. Yeah, Ooh, I did. No, that's no, true, yeah. and I appreciate you saying it. They were great. It was a great time. Never never going to yeah. forget it. Terry, no. it is so good to have you on. I appreciate you making time. Good luck with the Vegas show, and let's talk some football again soon. That was a hey, blast.
0: Don't be a, hey, don't let me be a stranger, man. <laughs>
1: trade pros. Whether you specialize in service or new construction, Ferguson knows firsthand how much work goes into a hard day's work. This is why they're committed to offering the products and solutions that you need to get the job done right the first time, every time. With expert associates in more than 1,000 locations across the country and an unmatched selection of products, tools and supplies, as well as same or next day delivery and their time saving pro pickup service, you can trust that doing business with Ferguson Will be the easiest part of your day. Remember, for projects and teams of any size and any scope, Ferguson has a winning game plan for contractors like you. So when the pressure is on, you can count on Ferguson. Visit Ferguson.com to find a location near you. That's Ferguson.com. Enormous thanks to the legend Terry Bradshaw for making a pit stop on the pod before his trip out to Vegas. That was tremendous. And if you're interested in seeing that show, remember, hit up the Luxor Hotel and Casino's website to get some more information. Now, this podcast is going to be on a two-week sabbatical before coming back on Wednesday, August 14th. I understand that it's not easy to remember the dates, so instead, just get yourself subscribed right now, and then episode 91 will find you automatically. Thanks for listening. See you next time. I'm out.